Jamie Summers from Afternoons with Heart and Humor. Something you may not know about me is I'm really conscious of what I put in my body. So I eat healthy, try to stay as active as possible. That's also why I was so excited when I heard that Dr. Kellum at the Kellum Stem Cell Institute is able to retrieve my own stem cells and place them exactly where I need them most with focused infusions. If you're ready for something more effective and a healthier way to heal, get more information at KellumStemCellInstitute.com. This is Doug with an opportunity to spend some time with Dr. Amanda Porter talking about her new book, Dear Anxiety, Let's Break Up. As a mental health expert and anxiety sufferer and pastor's wife, Amanda has been living at the intersection of mental health and faith for many years. She's a writer, speaker, psychiatric nurse practitioner with triple board certification in internal medicine, psychiatry, mental health, and addiction. And today we're going to talk about her new book, Dear Anxiety, Let's Break Up. Amanda, thank you for making time. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Doug. Well, I'm curious to find out what was the genesis to even writing this book in the first place, and then why couch it as a devotional book? Oh, yes. Two very good questions. Um, I think for me, one of my primary goals in writing this book was to really talk about what it's been like for me personally as a mental health clinician who is also living with an anxiety disorder and also is a Jesus follower. You know, that's that's quite a mixture for a lot of people that can seem like you know, all those things that really go together, right? <laughs> um, but I've been living at this intersection for about, you know, eight or nine years now, and I really just wanted to share what it's like for me from my perspective as someone who struggles with an anxiety disorder, as someone who is treating those who struggle with an anxiety disorder, and as someone who is a Christian, I think, um, you know, in terms of the, the format of the book, the idea of it being a devotional was really attractive to me. I like having this methodology of kind of dishing out, like, in bite-sized pieces, you know, more easily digestible pieces um, of advice or recommendations or, or guidance. When someone is first starting out trying to get help for their mental health issues, whatever it is, not just anxiety, it's, it's a really daunting task. There's a lot of information out there. It can seem really overwhelming. But that's one of the perks of um, a devotional is, you know, you can consume as little or as much as you want. You can take your time and, and go at your own pace. No, I love that. Uh, Dear Anxiety, Let's Break Up, 40 Devotions to Conquer, Worry, and Fear. I'm, uh, this hits close to home for me. My wife, Cheryl, um, has been diagnosed with panic and anxiety and PTSD, among other mm-hmm. things, and uh, mm-hmm. takes medication for that. And yet there were times when she would share her story, there's a certain part of the faith community that says, wait a minute, what are you taking medication for? Aren't you prayed up enough? Sure. Oh, yes. And that was another <laughs> that was another driver for me in wanting to write about this particular topic from a very specific standpoint or perspective, you know, that of, um, of a believer. And I think that I really wanted to speak to the tension that Christians in particular feel when they are trying to get help to tackle their mental health issues. There's a lot of toxic theology out there that preaches that anxiety is a sin, right? And I I do not agree with that statement. I could not disagree with that more. I think a lot of these communities, they just tend to over-spiritualize mental health struggles. And more often than not, if a person is struggling with anxiety or depression, 
and they are a believer, they will turn to their faith community for for help and support. And and more often than not, the, the advice that's doled out to them is, oh, you just need to pray more. You just need to believe more. Why don't you have more faith? And while it's true that all of those things are important, that is not the end-all, be-all to healing for most people when, when they're trying to heal from their anxiety disorder. Um, recommendations like that, just pray more, believe more, have more faith, I think ultimately that just heaps a lot of guilt and shame and, and blame on the person who's struggling. And, you know, the whole notion of taking medication, I I have no problem saying that I take medication for my anxiety disorder and find it incredibly helpful and valuable. Being on medication does not make you less of a believer or make you um, less of, of a faithful person. I think medications are one tool in the toolbox. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been a very valuable tool. I often actually will remind people that I work with um, of the story in John 4, where Jesus is healing the blind man. And if you recall the story, this is where um, Jesus, he stoops down, he gathers up some dirt, he spits into it, he makes this muddy paste, he places this muddy paste on this man's eyes. And this is how he chose to heal this man from his blindness. And Jesus very easily could have spoken this man's healing into existence. He didn't have to touch him. He didn't have to do anything other than speak the words. But that's not what Jesus chose to do. In this specific example, he uses a tool to heal this man. And that is how I see medication. In these modern times, I see it as one tool that God has given us to help us overcomers. Ah, I couldn't agree more. Toxic theology certainly is a good call on that because people don't judge you in in the faith circle when you have high blood pressure or other uh, quote-unquote medical conditions, but chemical imbalances and things are connected to this anxiety, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And I try and remind my patients that the experience of anxiety, it's a very biological process. You know, we are all created, we are all born with this fight or flight response, this this, um, stress response, and it's all very normal. Anxiety is an emotion. We all have emotions. Emotions are a universal human experience, and I think that as people are reminded that this is normal to a certain degree, this is normal to feel anxious, to feel worried. Um, it doesn't mean that anything is wrong unless your anxiety kind of crosses a certain line to where your ability to function is, is heavily impacted. And then, of course, we, we think about, you know, getting this person some help. But on a, on a certain level, um, a certain amount of anxiety is completely normative. Now, um, we talk about here uh, anxiety is a natural biological emotion. It's the most common mental illness diagnosis. Talk a little bit about what you approach in the devotions in terms of other things that we can pursue and redirect thoughts into certain areas. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think there are, gosh, just a million different ways out there that people use to cope with their anxiety. I think for me, it's really just about getting back to basics and really being meticulous with my self-care. And and when I say self-care, I mean Again, really basic things like feeding myself well, hydrating, making sure I'm getting enough sleep, um, moving my body in some way every day. And then kind of next tier or next level self-care things would be um, a gratitude practice, cultivating self-compassion, 
doing some soul work on a daily basis, incorporating some mindfulness practices, um, setting boundaries and limits, checking your input, um, adding structure to your day. All of these things are are going into the practice of self-care. Um, I think it's very challenging, though, to do all of these things on our own. <laughs> so one of the biggest pieces of self-care that I incorporate and that I would encourage others to incorporate is hiring a really good therapist. So you have someone on your team who's keeping you accountable, who's giving you guidance and direction in a very individualized, customized way. Yes, yes. I can't uh, I can't echo that more. My wife and I uh, have uh, a therapist and highly uh, believe in that. Uh, it's been amazing to me the use of EMDR for both my wife and I oh, in yeah. our therapies. I, I had no idea about this acronym, and then when it was told to me what it involved, it sounded a little hokey, but it works. Yeah. Yes, yes, and that's exactly what I, I prep my patients for. I, you know, EMDR, I just can't say enough about it. I have seen that revolutionize people's lives. It is such a wonderful healing tool. But I tell people, okay, when you go online and you Google this, it's going to seem a little weird, you know, um, but give it a chance. And, you know, the whole concept behind EMDR is through, you know, various lighting or various rhythmic movements, you are literally rerouting the circuitry of your brain around the place where the trauma is stored. And it is just, it's just been miraculous for the majority of the people that I send out for that type of treatment. They they come back to me and they're like a, a different person. It's, it's a really cool thing to watch. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think um, someone explained it to me one way. Perhaps it's like the tornado goes through your filing cabinet and then the EMDR mm-hmm. kind of replaces everything in the files. You never forget the memories, but they become less triggering. Right. And honestly, when was the last time that we spent time focused in on one hard memory. That's that's something mm-hmm. that takes some courage to get to in the first place. For sure. For sure. Right. The EMDR it doesn't it doesn't cause amnesia. You know, you don't forget the terrible things that have happened to you, but rather those terrible things don't hold as much power over you any longer. So someone who is listening to us has felt, okay, I've had this lifelong battle with anxiety and I'm wondering why God doesn't just uh, remove it from me. What would you say to them? Good question. That's that's where I kind of give my little feel about the difference between curing and healing. So I think a lot of people, when they start out seeking mental health treatment, um, they're looking for a cure. They're looking to be rid of their anxiety once and for all and to have it never return. And that's just ultimately that's not a realistic goal at all. Um, so I, I, I coach people, I talk to them about the difference between curing and healing. Curing is as if an illness never existed in the first place, right? So um, I give the example of someone with, say, strep throat. Someone has strep throat, they go get tested, they get on their antibiotics, they take their medicine, the infection goes away, and then they don't deal with strep throat again. Um, but anxiety doesn't work like that. Um, anxiety disorders cannot be cured. However, you can heal from an anxiety disorder. Healing is very different than curing. Healing is peace and acceptance of an outcome, right? Peace and acceptance that this is something I am going to struggle with on some level for the rest of my life. And I know, I know God is capable of miraculous healing in some people's lives. And I would not want someone to stop praying for that miracle to take place. But then in the meantime, 
we need to be doing the hard work of achieving the healing. I think the goal is never eradication of anxiety, but rather manageability of that anxiety because a person can 100% say, it is well with my soul, even when all is not well in their life or in their body. Love that. Love that. Talk a little bit to the person that uh, may be married or in a relationship or in the family with someone with anxiety. They themselves don't have it, so there might be a disconnect or like a fear of like, what do I say? How do I deal with it? Oh, sure. Right. Because there's always this fear of like, I I don't know the right thing to say. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to make things worse. Um, And I think there, there are definitely some wrong things to say. Um, <laughs> I like to kind of coach people on like, what are what are helpful things to say and what are some things that are not so helpful. And I think that when you are trying to encourage a loved one, you never want to say something along the lines of, oh, but you don't look depressed or anxious, you know, because, you know, keep in mind, anxiety along with all the other mental health issues, they're often invisible. And we really have to be careful with how we're judging someone's outside presentation. We just cannot possibly know what's going on inside inside of someone else's head just by looking at them. So you never want to judge somebody based on their outward presentation. Um, I think making a comment along the lines of there are people who have it so much worse than you or you have so much to be happy about, you know, those things might be true. But in that moment, you're really just kind of minimizing that person's pain and um, essentially guaranteeing that they're probably not going to open up to you again um, for things that they're really struggling with and and hurting over. Um, Kind of what we were talking about earlier, the the quick fix of like, oh, all you need to do is just believe more, pray more, have more faith, read scripture every day. You know, again, those things are, are true. We do need to do those things, but don't assume that this person hasn't already tried everything that's within their means. Um, I think more helpful things to say would be simple statements like, I'm here for you, and you are loved, and you're strong, and I believe in you, and please don't give up, and you're not alone. And for the person who wants to do um, kind of some more, some more tangible things for a person who's struggling, a friend who's struggling, um, you know, help them make their phone calls to schedule their appointment. Drive them to their appointment. Help them with childcare while they're while they're in their therapy session. Cover their shift at work. Take them out to dinner afterwards so they can debrief with you. Like all of those things are very helpful ways to show up for somebody who's who's hurting. I'm Jamie Summers from Afternoons with Heart and Humor. Something you may not know about me is I'm really conscious of what I put in my body. So I eat healthy, try to stay as active as possible. That's also why I was so excited when I heard that Dr. Kellum at the Kellum Stem Cell Institute is able to retrieve my own stem cells and place them exactly where I need them most with focused infusions. If you're ready for something more effective and a healthier way to heal, get more information at KellumStemCellInstitute.com. 